for your presence in this place today. Lord, we thank you for the way that you are moving in our nation, in the world, and in each heart that is here present. We ask your blessing on this time, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, would you reveal your truth to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're going to take a few moments to talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Scriptures, and the topic that is on the forefront of many of of, uh, people's minds, revival or reawakening. The first great awakening, some of you might might remember, maybe you were there, no, (laughs) was one of the most intense outpourings of God's Spirit in American history. And uh, oddly enough, it was in rocky, tough old New England (laughs) where this was happening. People were finding themselves cut to the heart by the Holy Spirit. And lives were being changed. They were experiencing the power of God in these amazing, transforming ways. Churches were born. The body of Christ was being grown and matured and was being mobilized in ways similar to that we saw in the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and preached and quite a number of people came to faith in Jesus Christ. And it has been, for many generations, hard for people living in New England to imagine something like that happening here. New England is often thought of as you know, the place where you've got the little white church on the town green and it's getting turned into a gallery because nobody worships there anymore and to do something to keep the doors of the place open or whatever, it gets sold or it gets turned into a historical society. You know, or it just falls into neglect and ruin. Some of the churches that are still surviving are barely surviving because they're selling off their stuff. Right? I know churches that have sold their stained glass to be able to stay open and, and that sort of thing. And it can be a sad state of affairs. But increasingly, those words about New England being a tough, rocky place where the Lord can't move and revival can't happen, increasingly that is being lifted. And if you look around New England, there are wonderful and exciting things happening. And uh, there's little, uh, it's been expressed to me this way and I convey it to you as well, little campfires here and there (laughs) around New England that have been happening for some time and are happening. You know, John Wesley was part of that great awakening, an Anglican priest, founder of the Methodist movement, and he was no stranger to the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, It was John Wesley uh, that was moving and working in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit who found that his preaching came alive because of the person and work of the Holy Spirit, not because he was a fantastic preacher. All the glory and all the credit goes to God for anything good that happens in that way. If he were here today, would he recognize New England? I know he'd be praying. You know, there are some key connections between Holy Scripture, the work of the Holy Spirit, and revival. 
and Wesley saw it firsthand. And we're seeing it in places around our country now. And uh, it's happening in other parts of the world as well. There are whole countries right now in Africa that are experiencing tremendous revival. So by now, many of you have had some exposure to what I alluded to last Sunday with the revival uh, at Asbury. I made mention of it. It's probably popped into your social media feeds here or there and that sort of thing over this week. And I've had a few different friends head down there and come back and and um, God has definitely shown up in power. Uh, one trusted source called the events at Asbury an awakening. Um, this was uh, Dr. Timothy Tennant. And uh, he says it's marked by repentance, restoration, mercy of God lifting us from the dust. That true revival is an awakening. It's a realization of sin and an experience of God's grace and mercy that sends one forth with a correct posture in relationship with God. Um, I found what, what he commented valuable enough that I'd like to share a little bit of it with you uh, because it helps us to understand what's happening and, and how perhaps we can be praying as well. He says this, A deeper look at this outpouring reveals that it has the same elements which are found in any authentic revival. People repenting of their sins, being filled with the Holy Spirit, men and women finding reconciliation with God and their neighbor, people capturing a renewed love for Jesus, the gospel, and the Holy Scriptures. All of the above has been happening here day after day. Another point regularly observed by those who have been a part of these services is the solemnity and peace in the various places where this movement has spread around town. Sometimes we envision revivals as times when people hear fiery sermons and there are big outbursts of emotion. This move of God is marked more by quiet weeping than emotive shouting. Despite the endless coverage in social media and the regular media, which is calling this a revival, I think it's as wise to see this at the current phase as an awakening. Only if we see lasting transformation which shakes the comfortable foundations of the church and truly brings us all to a new place and a deeper place, can we look back in hindsight and say, yes, this has been a revival. An awakening is where God begins to stir and awaken people up from their spiritual slumber. And this is definitely happening, not only in Wilmore, but as this move of God spreads to other schools and communities across the nation and even the world. And there are many reports that this is what is happening. But we must keep our eyes and our hearts fixed on Jesus and ask for him to complete the work that has begun. He goes on to say, we have to live into a desperation for God to do what we cannot do. We have to live into transformed relationships. We have to live into new patterns of life and worship. In short, we have to embrace what it means to truly live as Christians in the midst of a church culture which has largely become domesticated and the gospel has been domesticated beyond recognition. We will know that revival has truly come to us when we are truly challenged and changed to live more like him at work, at study, at worship, and at witness. So he's not downplaying what's happening. He's saying God is moving and God is working and so may it be amongst us. May it spread 
all over and may it lead to lasting change. May it lead to restoration of relationships between people and God and people and one another. You know, something that many are praying for in New England is the renewal of the body of Christ, the renewal of the church, and revival to break out and unsaved people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The reinvigorating of those that are following Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there are lots in New England who have been praying about this for a long time. Uh, there's a professor at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary whose specialty and, and focus in his career has been revivals and things like that. And rather than being discouraged by the darkness of New England, he's actually excited by it because he looks at history and he looks at the parallels of what was happening in culture and he feels like we're right on the edge of something happening and that it's beginning to because of what he sees in the signs of the culture and the church. It's an exciting time to be the church in New England. You know, what a blessing to be alive and following Jesus Christ at this time. So it's important for us to learn about the movement and the work of the Holy Spirit. It's important for us to learn how to hear his voice, how to listen and to obey the voice of the Spirit so that we can be willing and ready vessels to be used by him in reviving the hearts and souls of our friends and neighbors here in New England. There's a vital connection between the Holy Spirit, the Holy Scriptures, and revival or awakening in our lives. It is the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth of the Holy Scriptures to us. I wonder if anybody here can attest to um, a personal experience in your own life where before you were a follower of Jesus Christ, that the Bible seemed dry as dust to you. But when you came to faith in Jesus, all of a sudden, the words were jumping off the page to you and it came alive. If that happened, it's because the Holy Spirit was working and was illuminating God's word to your heart. One of the scriptures that we read today deals with the nature of Holy Scripture. And I'd like to read it again just to refresh our memories. This was from the Epistle Lesson, 2 Peter chapter 1. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Because no prophecy ever came by human will, but men and women moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So what we have is not words written down by human people because they thought it sounded good, made them feel good, or sounded holy. This is the absolute word of Almighty God revealed by His Holy Spirit to men and women of God who wrote it down, who brought it forth, and now we have it because of that. You know, he is the revealer of all truth. One of the challenging things I hear a lot these days comes from folks who are biblical revisionists in practice. And they say that the Holy Spirit is revealing new truth about God and from God. You know, almost like when you 
you plug in your phone at night and it says, when your phone is plugged in and fully charged, a new update will download. <laughs> right? It's like it's getting a software update and the bugs, the, the things that people got wrong in there first are now getting worked out. It's not what it is. It's not the way that it is. Usually, when people are trying to change the Word of God, it's because the Word of God is challenging them to change. And we don't like change. We don't like to give up what makes us comfortable. We don't like to give up what makes us feel good. And if the Bible is calling it sin, <clears throat> or it's calling it something else that isn't in line with with uh, what we feel like, we want to change it. Most biblical revisionism comes at it at that angle. The Spirit of God bears witness to the Word of God by revealing the truth of God contained in that Word and by making it alive to our hearts. The Spirit of God confirms and strengthens and establishes the truth of God's Word in our hearts, the Spirit of God does not contradict or alter or change or update any words contained in the Bible. If we think the Holy Spirit is telling us something different from what's in here, it's a Spirit telling us, but it's not the Holy One. The Bible was not written and handed down to us and defended by the lives of so many that have gone before us that we might simply gain head knowledge and spiritual facts. The role of the Holy Spirit is to take this written word and enliven it in our hearts to such a degree that we cannot help but be changed on our very deepest levels. The Holy Spirit brings the reading of Holy Scripture from our heads and quickens it in our hearts, in our innermost beings. It's not about additional revelation. It's about illumination of what's already been given to us. When someone says that they have a word from the Lord... One of the primary ways to test that word is to filter it through Holy Scripture. Does it align with what's in here? Does it align with the nature of God, with the person and work of Jesus Christ? Or is it different? The Lord will not contradict himself. The Holy Spirit doesn't act in a way different from the Father or the Son. He says only those things that he hears and does those things that is seen. And he is God just as much as the Father and the Son. And he is the conduit by which we know God, by which we know God's love in our hearts, and by which we know God's truth revealed to us in Holy Scripture. It might feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but there's a lot in the church that is just seeking to walk away from this. And it is up to us to hold on to this standard. Because plenty are dropping it and going with what they want rather than what is written in the word. The Holy Spirit is a doorway 
to, the, to a relationship with Jesus Christ. A relationship with Jesus Christ is not head knowledge. It's not knowing about Jesus. It's not knowing him as a historical figure or as a good person or someone that taught morals. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin and draws us into relationship with God in Jesus Christ. This is the Father, Father's plan. In John 16, it says, But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. So if anything life-changing is revealed to us, the source of that revelation, the source of that illumination of God's word is the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord is so to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God because they're foolishness. doesn't make sense. cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Everything that God does in and through our lives is by the work and operation of the Holy Spirit. And to be without some understanding of the reality of the Holy Spirit is to be without understanding of the reality of God. So as we think about reawakening, as we think about revival, the work of the Holy Spirit is a very personal one. He knows who we are, and he seeks us personally. In a very personal way, he reveals Jesus to our hearts. And although the church is a corporate body, the entry into it is still Personal. You know, it's just like you don't become a Christian because you sit in the pews. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that we are celebrating, which is what brings us to sit in the pews in many respects. The Holy Spirit opens the door to the kingdom of God for each one of us by introducing us to Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit who convinces people that Jesus is who he says he is and that his death on the cross means something for them personally. It is the Holy Spirit that tells people that they must believe in Christ and give themselves totally to him. It is the Holy Spirit that teaches people to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. It is only the Holy Spirit who is able to teach people how to love one another. It is entirely possible for people to put together a great evangelistic campaign that God never intended to bless. And instead of following the leading of the Holy Spirit, they do what makes sense to them. The power of God is not in it, and it falls flat on its face. And our efforts will fall flat without the power of the Holy Spirit as well. So one great awakening wasn't enough 
There was a second one <laughs> around 1796. And there was a pastor who was uh, pastoring three little churches in Logan County, Kentucky. Southwestern part of the state. And there was another pastor, a Methodist preacher by the name of Peter Cartwright, who was there at a revival event that was taking place. And here's how he describes it. And see if it sounds like anything that you've seen on Facebook or the news today. After several days of meeting, worshiping together and hearing preaching, the power of God seemed to shake the whole assembly. Toward the close of the sermon, the cries of the distress arose. After the congregation was dismissed, the solemnity increased, till the greater part of the multitude seemed engaged in the most solemn manner. No person seemed to wish to go home. Hunger and sleep seemed to affect nobody. Eternal things were the vast concern. Here, awakening and converting work was to be found in every part of the multitude. And even some things strangely and wonderfully new to me. When will we finally come to a place where we hunger for the Lord more than anything else? The Lord calls us to repent of our sin. He calls us to ask forgiveness from one another. He calls us to seek restoration of relationship with him, with each other. He calls us to pray for revival, for awakening, to pray for New England. Pray for your pastor. Pray for BCC. Pray for West Windsor. Pray for yourself to seek to know Jesus, to know the power and work of the Holy Spirit in your own life. It's a call to repent and return to the Lord, to pray for a hunger for God's holy word. And when this power of the Holy Spirit is brought to bear, lives are changed, addictions are broken, the lost are rescued, the wounded are healed, God is glorified, and the kingdom of God is brought very near. So I invite you to pray with me. Lord, we don't want to try to recreate in our own strength what you are doing elsewhere. But Lord, we do desire you with all of our hearts. We desire your power and your presence. We desire to be in right relationship with you and with one another. 
Lord, and if we don't, we ask that your Holy Spirit would convict us and draw us to that place. Where the things that are eternal, that truly matter, come to the forefront of our minds, the forefront of our desires. Convict us of unconfessed sin. Convict us of uncharitable attitudes and thoughts towards one another. Of wrong thinking, of wrongdoing. Align us to the truth of your holy word. And give us a hunger for you such that we have not experienced in a long time. Lord, we give you thanks for those that are experiencing your closeness, power, and presence, your redeeming work, your healing, your restoration. We thank you for your promise that he who has begun a good work will be faithful until the day of completion. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.